You want to make mom smile this Mother's Day? You can start Mother's Day with flowers or surprise her with gifts from the brands she loves, delivered the very same day with DoorDash. Wow, that's a great idea. Moms are such a gift to us, and we should treat them the same way, with gifts, especially on Mother's Day. I didn't know DoorDash was doing that. That's exceptional. If your mom has a sweet tooth, or if she's a tech enthusiast, beauty connoisseur, if she's outdoorsy, no matter what she's into, you can make her smile with a fruit or flower bouquet, makeup, tech gear, workout wear, and more, all deliverable through DoorDash. Get all your Mother's Day gifts all in one place and get 50% off your next order up to $15 when you spend $15 or more on your next flower, convenience, grocery, or retail order now with code THEO. That's T-H-E-O. Order using DoorDash today. Terms apply. I want to let you know that hair loss happens. I thinned out recently. I don't know what, 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 what it was. It could have been lightning. Could have been dang locusts. Could have been just time and getting older. Well, Keeps can help you. Keeps offers a simple, affordable, and stress-free way to keep your hair. That's right. They have convenient virtual doctor consultations. And your medication is delivered straight to your door. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Theo to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Theo to get your first month free. I'm getting it done. I'm taking care of mine with Keeps dot com slash Theo. Today's guest uh, is visiting from Austin, Texas. He was born in Ohio, over there in Youngstown. Youngstown. Uh, he is the uh, the creator of the Kill Tony Show. It's one of the most unique live shows I've ever been affiliated with. I mean, it is the dang, it's the Cirque du Soleil of just damn, just bullshit. It's amazing. Um. You're going to learn all about that. You're going to learn about him. It's his first time here uh, on the podcast, and I'm grateful for his time. Comedian Tony Hinchcliffe. You had, cause you're a real posture bear, baby. I think you got that. I mean, you, straight back. Oh, you are the shortest distance between two points. I mean, you are, you are as the crow flies, man. You've always been strong in stature. That's, like one hand behind my back when I'm performing. I like it, like regal. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? Do you? Cause you kind of have that, that regality kind of. I'm sitting here with Tony Hinchcliffe. For those of you guys who who uh, aren't familiar, Tony is a comedian and a friend of mine. And um, we're going to get into his life a little bit. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Of course. Yeah, it's cool, bro. Yeah. Yeah, where does that come from, you think? Because you do have a very, I don't want to say, it's almost a Brit. It's not, is it British? What is kind it? Kind of. I'm not sure what, the, I'm not sure where exactly it comes from. But when it comes to stand-up comedy, I, my friends 
back when I graduated from high school were obsessed with Dane Cook, and I mm. and I was I walked in one day, and they're dying of laughter when he's moving around. It was the vicious circle, and he's walking and swinging his arms. And I remember thinking to myself, I want to do that, but I want to do it without any of that movement. I want it to be just the words. Mm. I want to I want to figure out a way. And then sure enough, when I got to the comedy store and actually saw real stand-ups, like the guys that, sometimes it was the guys that didn't even take the mic out of the mic stand that blew my mind the most. Wow. Like Dice would just walk up to it. That, I'm, even I don't do that. Like it's like no mic in the mic stand. Or I mean, leave it in there. And he just, leaves it in there the whole time? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, because you kind of, you are that snipe, you really are a sniper of humor, you know? It's like, where can you, it's almost like you have a nail gun. Yeah. And with these jokes in it, I feel like. Um, where did you start out at? Because I don't even know that, man, honestly. Yeah, I started at the comedy store in the original room. Yeah, I went there to sign up. Fucking Shia LaBeouf's dad, as crazy as this world is. I made friends with Shia LaBeouf's dad at a Starbucks in Burbank, and I was procrastinating starting stand-up comedy at the time. And at the time, right then, 2007, Shia had just signed this crazy Steven Spielberg deal, and and he looked for like five pictures or something. It was wow. pre, we didn't even know it was going to be Transformers and all these other things. Like, it was still just the infancy of Shia LaBeouf. So there was this like buzz around the coffee shop. I was out playing poker with these Armenian guys and they're like, you know who that guy is over there? That is Shia LaBeouf's dad. And he's this wizard looking character. Like, so I went and made friends with him and I told him, he goes, what's your plan? I go, I want to be a stand up comedian. I think I'm going to go up to this ha ha or this, uh, chuckle hut, whatever it was uh, in North Hollywood at the time. And he goes, you shouldn't do that. You should start at the comedy store. They let them see you start and sink or swim. And because it's going to, you're going to, the pressure is going to get to you when you get there anyway. When you think you're ready for there, you're not going to be ready for there too. So you might as well not be ready for there now. And it was like great advice. It really was. Wow. Well, I think for maybe for, yeah, I think for some people that advice, it's like you want to get good before you go there. Right. But he was saying just stand like, just in the firing line. And it worked out, man. I signed up for that thing and I watched, I got like number nine out of 15 and I watched the first eight and it was the first eight people I'd ever seen do stand up, and they were doing three minutes and they're just like really bombing. I'm like, I think I got this. And so for the, and for people who don't know, I, I, I remember going to that too. I, I would go and sign up. So you would go, was it Monday night? Sundays and Mondays. You'd have to be there by six o'clock. And you'd sign and put your name in a, like a bowl or something. Yeah, you sign this one big piece of paper. And then it goes back to the employees who are literally like, all right, that looks like a new name. That looks like a new name. That looks like a new name. And then like after that, they sort of just put people that they know and like sort of earned it. Like, oh, they've been doing good lately. Give him number 15. Right. You There's know, a little bit of mafia back there, like making totally. some choices. Totally. So you had the eight people that went up and you were like, so damn. So you always kind of have had that confidence. I mean, you have this crazy confidence where it's like, how did this guy who's probably 
not the largest in stature, right. get so much dense confidence in them. Yep. You know, yep. it's like fucking plutonium or something. I feel like, isn't that a real thick metal, I think? Yeah, something like that. I'm not sure. You know, I think it's a combination of uh, having stubborn Italian parents and being from a weird, tough, crazy neighborhood, getting into a lot of fights with bigger kids and fucking having to scrap and survive back in the day and... You know, so I'm just happy to be at the dance. Yeah. You know, when I got to the comedy store, I'm like, I'm happy to be in L.A. I'm already winning. So, like, no matter how this goes, it's going to be great. Plus, I'm going to get better. You know what I mean? Like, this is not going to be this bad again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get up. Mm-hmm. And you're ninth in, in the line. Yeah. And and it went well. And I prepared for months and I blanked out. I forgot everything as oh. soon as oh. I got up there. But I literally said... You know, as hacky and as cheesy as it is looking back at it. But I literally go, well, um, I've never done this before. I prepared for months. Every day I wrote and I cannot for the life of me remember one single thing that I wanted to say right now. And those first eight people were all doing jokey jokes that like, you know, the comedians are in the back like, ugh, you know. But when I said that, there was this pop in the room. People like looked up because it's like, wait, this guy's like being, being honest. honest right now. And it's the first time they had seen that, you know, 30 minutes into that show that night. And that's all it was. Three minutes of me basically going, I don't know. Yep. Yep. Still can't remember. Can't believe it. Wasn't <laughs> expecting this to happen. Like just nonstop. And I'm still trying to think of one thing. And, like, what's funny is that one went really well, and then the ones after that for, like, months were the bad ones. Really? When I remembered my jokes was the bad ones, which is pretty foreshadowing, you know, for people that know my comedy style, because I like going off script, and you know what I mean? Like, I like playing and being in the moment, trusting that, you know, it's sort of like jumping out of a plane without a parachute. Like, I like, tr- I like, I like that dangerous part. You know, where it's like maybe I'll say something that I thought of on the drive to the club that night that's not finished and it's just a premise and you have like a race to finish the joke. You know what I mean? You're like, maybe I'll think about it. Got a couple seconds left, almost to the end of the sentence. Ah! Yeah, it's almost like dynamite. Like you like to light it before you even know what the ingredients (laughs) in it are. I like to flip it around in my hands a couple (laughs) times before throwing it. Catch it behind my back once and then see what happens. So that was what, 15 years ago? Almost 16, yeah. May 2007. Hmm. Yeah, fun. How about you? You started in... I started at a comedy... I did a comedy class actually called Judy Gold Comedy Class. Okay. And um, Ben Glebe was in it. Wow! This man that called himself Chicken Man was in it, and he would just yeah, he would literally get up there and just yell Chicken Man, Chicken Man. Whoa! Uh, what happened to him? I don't. I honestly, I think he got involved in the fast food business somehow. <laughs> and then, yeah, he did. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. perfect. Because uh, I remember him. I saw him years later on the street. And he was talking about fry, <laughs> something about fry cooking or something, like a new oil, I guess, that's helping those people. You know do better or whatever but um yeah i remember that and so at the end of that class you got to get up for three minutes Mm -hmm. and that was like oh wow and you got to perform at the improv and you got a tape of it so it was like man i got it so when you leave there with a tape and you were on stage you feel totally like you're a comedian you know um but i didn't really get going until 
I think I probably went over to the comedy store and signed up and Tommy was over there. And uh, yeah, and it was just, that's really for me, I think when you really start to feel like, okay, I'm dropped in on this, you know? Right. There is yeah. something about, about the comedy store. Yeah. Or there or there certainly used to be, man. It's uh, a cool building. Yeah. You know, it's intimidating. All those signatures. So like immediately people are like, How, whose names are on this wall? How do I get my name on the wall? It looks cool. Oh, there's Jim Carrey in the same font as this newer. That's a younger guy. I just saw him. He just walked by. Yeah. So like, how do I get my name in that? Right? It's like tricky. It's like screaming from blocks away to like look at it and take it in it's powerful plus it's black and white and red it's like, yeah it's, it has a very dark um you can feel a little bit of the history in there it feels kind of sorted yeah uh you know you can feel people's energy when they walk through the hall like what's going on with them even if they don't say anything you can feel the nervousness of some people you keep running into people you're not even sure if you know them or met them before mm-hmm. um but yeah, when you get up on the stage, it's just like you have to do it. Uh, so fast forward though, now you yeah. live in Austin now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you made that move to Austin. Yeah. And uh, I'll, it's interesting we were talking about the first time on stage because one of the things that, like I know you've done Kill Tony for a long time. How, how many shows have you guys done now? Over, I think over 600. We're about to have our 10 year anniversary in June. And for people that don't know, Kill Tony is, well, you, you tell them what it is. You tell them. You know well, it. I mean, it's your thing. It's like a it's like a crazy comedy show where comedians watch newer or older comedians do one minute, and they sign up for the chance to get one minute uninterrupted in front of a bunch of fans on the internet, and then I interview them afterwards, and my guest comedians dose in jokes and you know, contribute, and we find out more about the person. So not only if I pull their name out of a bunch of people sign up, names go in a bucket, I pull their name out, they get a minute. And then I interview them afterwards. So not only do they win like a minute of uninterrupted stand-up, but then all of a sudden they, they're on a podcast yeah. for like eight more minutes Yeah, where I interview them and grill them about their life and make jokes about their set and their life and ask them questions and try to figure out what's different oh. about them. I'm sort of like pulling from like, you know, I was raised on like Howard Stern old school interviews and like he would always ask the right questions at the right time and like he'd get more information than it seemed like he should have out of these people and that's sort of what i'm trying to squeeze out so sometimes i'll just hit him with what's the weirdest thing in your refrigerator or what's your biggest fear or what's your family you're you're raised by a single mom and like i've asked so many of these questions that i've built sort of a palette kind of yeah to where i know where things are going and i can already Hit tell them, them. paintball baby. yeah yeah exactly it, it blew my mind i'd done it before and then so then recently i re-fell in love with it i just you know i don't know if i forgot whatever but i so i was down there in austin and you guys had me on kill tony and this is probably maybe two months ago and i come out on stage and i hadn't been on stage in a while so i come out there i'm sitting there and the and you guys and there's just it the it is packed man yeah. it's packed and there's people like there's like people behind barricades like it is mm-hmm. it's insane the people that have driven hours come in they put their name in and they want a chance to get on stage and then they get up there for one minute dude one minute is not enough time <laughs> that's yeah. the thing one minute is not enough time to do really almost anything sometimes and sometimes it's way too long for some of these people 
<laughs> Sometimes it's forever. Dude, I was sat there. I just, I was amazed at how much, man, my feeling. It took me back to when I first started and there were moments where you, like, I remember feeling one time like my face was trying to get behind my skull <laughs> so that I didn't have to be there with the, uh, like, I mean, I literally was like, how, where is this? What is yeah. going um, we but you're a, right there and yeah. people are, it is like the most intense moment of so many people's lives and yeah. you and my, uh, I was sitting next to you and then there's Brian Redband, your mm -hmm. co-host and the band is behind us and you're right. I mean, you can feel the fear and the uncertainty off of a lot of these you, people. You can see the beads of sweat that <sighs> form on their forehead right after the set or in the middle of the set sometimes if things aren't going well and if the set goes good, you see the beads form during the interview part. You can sort of tell what they do and don't want to talk about. You know, what do you do for a day job? Oh, they don't mind that. What were your parents like? All of a sudden, it's like you can tell because you see the sweat. So that means that the parents are fan, like will watch this. They think they're going to see this. So they're not that not close, but they're close enough. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah, I didn't think so about that. Just from body language and things, I can see how they're feeling and what to push more on and yeah. what I can get more of. And if I make fun of them, how they laugh to that, if it seems genuine, that means I can go even harder because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. You know what I mean? I don't know. Do you? <laughs> Sometimes you are, there is no, you are a paper, you are a fucking paper cut sometimes. Yeah. It's so, I, it's like, how does that, how do you, how does it, you are a fucking paper cut. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just did, I just don't want to be the guy that ends up, you know, being last. I was a skinny little, you know, tiny little ratty white trash Italian kid, you know, one of the only white kids in a predominantly black neighborhood that I grew up in. Oh. And so like, you know, Say less, people baby, are out there that. walking around hitting people with dog leashes and just a oh, whole yeah. bunch of trashy shit going on all the time. So like I always used words as a defense mechanism immediately. And then the kids laugh at the one kid that just got a joke made about him. And all of a sudden they don't want to mess with me anymore. And, you know, all the teachers said, you know, making fun of people is never going to get you anywhere. And I hated my teachers growing up. Damn. I looked at them like the ultimate bullies. You know, they were they were I went to a weird, evil sort of private school, bunch of angry nuns and sisters or whatever. Damn, really black women? Um, no. Oh, religious no. <laughs> women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, nuns. Like, damn, that's because, yeah, if you're going nuns and black women, dog, right. it's a fucking long, it's going to be a long <laughs> afternoon, baby, damn. Um, but I always wanted to kind of prove them wrong. I'm like, I think I can, I think I can do things with these words. I think you can get good at anything. And, you know, so writing on the roast was a real pleasure at the time when those were a big televised event. And, yeah. You know, so that was like an honor because I'm like, it's a legit job. All of a sudden I have health insurance from literally making fun of people. And then all of a sudden Martha Stewart saying something that I wrote into a teleprompter for her, Peyton Manning or whoever, all these heroes that, you know, people look up to all of a yeah. sudden are saying dirty words that I got them to say. And yeah, because you got the job writing for Comedy Central, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's when the roasts were so fire too. Huh? Fire, man fire and then, then they, i don't know what happened but they book alec baldwin for the last one they booked him too fast man we should do that one now let's yeah. run it back right post shooting 
Oh, yeah, that'd be so good, huh? <laughs> yeah. is, is he going on trial? What's the latest with that? I'm not sure. That's a tricky one, man. That's a tricky one. See, I moved to Texas, so now I have a gun, and everybody has a gun, and like I'm like, everybody should have a gun, and then I think about him, and I'm like, maybe everybody should have a gun. <laughs> Dude, he's shooting out of his wiener, too. Didn't he just have like his sixth or seventh kid? He yeah. just had another child, too. He can't stop. This um, guy's out here giving giving life and taking away <laughs> He's like a fucking Game of Thrones king. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's crazy, bro. Um, yeah, but I it just blew my mind about you about the Kill Tony show. If people haven't seen it, you have to see this show. Yeah. And one of the wilder parts was one guy comes up, he did a minute. It was it was not good, mm -hmm. right? And he's up there, he's like, Man, I was drinking before, I was just so nervous. So some of these people are wasted getting up there. Yep. And then he goes, You were talking to him about his life, and he goes, Well, I'm a drummer. So then part of your show is you have yeah. a band there yeah. and you got a blind guy in it. Yep. And uh D Madness killing it. Yeah. So he has his own day in Austin. D Madness does? Yeah. Oh, February he's really... 14th is D Madness Day in Austin. He's like a famous musician. Oh, wow. All those guys are literally high, that is high level of a musician as you can get. Studio, live, they do it all. That keyboardist is on tour right now with Gary Clark Jr. And if you see him and Gary play, Gary like is looking right at him and they're doing the mm. thing. It's not like some background keyboardist. You know, they're like they're in the trenches. Do, oh, dude, they're doing this shit together. Wow. They're like a unit. Yeah. Everybody leaves Gary Clark Jr.'s shows going, God damn that keyboardist. And like, you know, I'm really good friends with Gary. He's another reason why I moved to Austin. And uh, he hooked me up with that guy who hooked me up with the rest of that band. And, you know, we already had a band in LA, Jeremiah and Joel and Chris, and they couldn't, you know, everything happened so fast during that pandemic and everybody's, you know, opinions and viewpoints were so different. And Red Band and I, hit the road because we had to do a live podcast. There was no, you know, everybody else got to go to their studio and keep doing their show. You know, that's and right. Because you guys, ours, show is live because it's in front of a live audience. We were dying the hottest death. I mean, it was horrible. We tried for a while to have people send in minute long clips and then we would live stream the interview and everything's clunky and everybody's internet sucks. And, People are just frozen on the screen, and it was just a nightmare. Plus, there's no laughter, and I feed off of that. Like, I always say, I'm one of the worst podcast guests. I get into these things, and I, like, shut down after, like, 20, 30 minutes. Mm. You know what I mean? But in front of a live audience, I could go, I could riff. Like, if we were on a stage with two microphones, we could go for hours. I would have a blast. So we were dying the slowest death, and Red Band and I needed a crowd, period. So, and how long did you do that for? How long did you guys do that Zoom stuff? Ooh, man, jeez, traumatizing time in life. I'm guessing it was like two or three months. Wow, did it almost kill months. the show? Was there ever a thought that maybe the show would stop? No, I mean, I mean, the pandemic made it seem like maybe the show would. It, there was a second there where it looked like, you know, once we were in month two, three, four, I think we were all of us were a little bit like, what the hell is going on here? Like, Yeah, it got weird. Because remember, first they they put all those people on ventilators and killed, basically killed all those people. Yeah. Like, I hate yeah. to say that, but it was like, remember there right. was like, we just put 200,000 people on ventilators and then it was like two days later, it's like, oh, we shouldn't have put these people on ventilators. <laughs> they had no idea what they were doing. God, that's crazy, Scary man. Scary as hell. That whole thing is so unbelievable. Yeah. 
But um, so Austin's like, come do it here. Bars are open. Yeah, I went. I went and did a stand up show there, and uh, in November of 2020, and I hit up Ron White beforehand because I knew he lived in Austin, and I'm like, hey, if you want to do a guest spot on my show, I'm doing it next Friday, whatever. And he's like, where are you staying? And I'm like, I don't know if I got a hotel yet. He's like, you're staying in my penthouse suite on top of the city. I'm going to show you a good time. Damn. And it really started like immediately. I heard like, he has a bed made out there. of cigars in his house. Oh, said. God. He has got, he's got the ultimate setup. And Maybe. he has a hot tub. It's just tequila. It's just only tequila and bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> he's the best and he really he like rolled out the red carpet and oh my god he sold me on it immediately rogan was like a finishing touch everybody thinks like oh rogan went to austin and all of his cronies went with them it's like no austin sells itself everybody that goes there you were there you see what it is like it's nice and the things that we're doing the live music and everything and it's just the food is unbelievable well it was open yeah yeah and it was open it's the same reason it's like i don't believe a lot of the shit that they're doing with this pandemic Mm -hmm. this they're killing more people by locking people in yep like, especially in the recovery community, they shut down all the AA rooms. Unbelievable. So I had five friends that overdosed during the pandemic. Ugh. Unbelievable, bro. I yeah. mean, just die, you know, like, because people need to have that connection. Totally. Do it at a park. Six yeah. feet apart. Do something. 100%. So, there was other ways to go about it than just locking in and, well, it'll be over any second now. One week to stop the spread or whatever they were saying. Like, get the, what the, I mean, looking back. And I immediately, any of us start to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but wow. We got taken. Looking back on it, wow. Economically, just the insanity of shutting down so much stuff and looking back at what it actually was. Like, if you were extremely unhealthy and probably had less than a year to live, this was going to get you. Yeah. That's the reality. Those people that were, or, you know, they call them underlying conditions, which basically means like, hey, it's a... You know, the clock is ticking. Dang, yes. They just definitely, they set the Lord, you know, they just kind of, they really set the Lord's alarm a little early on them. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, they took. No snooze button here. Now the only people I know getting it are the boosted triple vax, the people like, those are the only, because in Texas, obviously, there's a lot of unvaccinated people, you know, people that are like, I'll give it some time. Let's see what happens here. I don't want. Yeah, half my face to go fans, numb basically. or whatever the hell you know what I yeah. mean and then you can always tell he's got that booster they come up to, hey what's up everything's good no, it's gonna, go, gonna go away in a couple months it's fine it's not a big deal you look right at me why are you making eye contact? you know what I mean like Dude. but we have to play along like oh it's okay you had to do it first <laughs> yeah. imagine having one extra day every week that's right more time to cook or grill you something or griddle up if you do griddling Get you a healthy meal or work on that novel or just binge some really good reality TV, whatever you like. Now it's possible to have that extra day every week with ClickUp, the productivity platform that'll save you one day a week on work, guaranteed. ClickUp began with the premise that productivity was broken. There were too many tools to keep track of, too many things in separate ecosystems. There had to be a more productive way. Well, ClickUp is the one tool to house all your tasks, projects, docs, goals, spreadsheets, and more. It's built for teams from 1 to 1,000. Whether you're in project management, engineering, sales, marketing, or HR, 
ClickUp has easy-to-use solutions that create a more efficient work environment. Use code THEO to get 15% off ClickUp's massive unlimited plan for a year, meaning you can start reclaiming your time for under $5 a month. Sign up today at ClickUp.com and use code THEO. Hurry, this offer ends soon. Today's episode is sponsored by True Classic. Guys, let's talk about t-shirts. You know what I'm talking about, t-shirts? Finding that perfect fitting t-shirt can be terrible. I swear it's either too tight or too small or too wide or too arms. Sometimes you get one and it's two arms. It's like two. Why, why is this so armsy? Luckily, True Classic wants to make every man look good and feel good. Tighter fit in the chest and sleeves to make your arms pop and room in the torso to get things cozy and keep things cozy. That's right. And we have an exclusive deal for our listeners. We want to hook you up with some true classic. For a limited time, only get 25% off with the code Theo at trueclassic.com. That's right. Almost all of men's t-shirts are designed to look good on a certain body type. Think skinny models with six packs. But most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's simple. You're wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic will help you figure it out. Get comfortable, get going, and upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic. Get 25% off at trueclassic.com with code THEO. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. 100% risk-free guarantee with a 30-day return policy. True Classic. When you look good, you feel good. Dude, I had a... uh, I was thinking the other day, I, lo- I was looking at my balls. I think my balls have Bell's palsy. Is that possible? <laughs> you have Bell's palsy. Yeah. Bell's palsy. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, dude, everybody's nuts have Bell's, Bell's yeah. palsy, I think. I'm with you. I got one <laughs> side holding on for life for some reason. I Bring know up some Bell's on. palsy. Let's get a look at it. Yeah. God, I haven't looked at this in a while. You know who had Bell's palsy was good old JR. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Let's get some better images, man. Oh, my goodness. If you don't mind. Thanks, brother. Yeah, sorry. It's a scary thing. Bill Palsy's always real, real wild, man. Um, you know, I used to be friends with uh, uh, Vince from ShamWow, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had it. Oh, wow. And so in his commercials, he would wear that microphone to cover that part of his mouth so you didn't notice it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's incredible. His story's magnificent, man. He started. He got hired to sell these rags one day on the boardwalk in in uh in Venice. Mm-hmm. He starts selling. He was like, "Oh, I'm good at selling these bitches." And so he just like licensed them himself, bought some ad time on a couple different networks, like sports networks, and they weren't they weren't selling. And then he bought time on Comedy Central. And for some reason, the way that it came across, it was like comedic, but also like a product. And it just went to the moon. Look at this. Yeah, right here. You got to have some good BP right here. Oh, man. Some oh, of these, damn, baby. That damn. smirk. Some of these look bad. And then I see that that's the before. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. that's the, <laughs> it's, it's rough. I like, now, this lady, some lady, some people look kind of good on them. Everybody looks like they're like piratey. Yeah, some people got that real hiccup in their cheek. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they have a hiccup that just got stuck on one side of them. 
Yep, that droop. That, that Bell's palsy. Oh, look at that lady. That uh -huh. the uh, Asian lady right there. The um, uh, Limpurian, I think, in the red. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Oh. Yep. She's sending signals, baby. Mm-hmm. Damn, it's wild, isn't it though? Yep. You don't think about those nerves being in your face, man. Yeah, that's rough. But Dice I, had it. Dice had it bad. Remember, it was like a news story. No, I don't Andrew remember that. Dice Clay had Bell's palsy, and he was scheduled to come to Austin the next week. And it was the only show that I had been looking forward to. I never go see stand-up comedy shows. And I'm like, I want to see Dice at Vulcan in Austin. Like, this seems rock and roll. And he did not cancel. That motherfucker went up there. Half his face just electrocuted. Just dead half face. <laughs> And he fucking used it, and he talked about it. He did a Sammy Davis Jr. impression. <laughs> I swear to God, this motherfucker killed so hard. It was such a fun show to see. Damn, yeah, it seemed like a real adventure for your face, kind of. I've never had it, but I would like to learn more about it. Um, but to go back to your show, so this was an amazing part was, so the guy said I he didn't do well at the comedy, mm -hmm. but he said I'm a drummer. Yeah. So you guys have this part of Kill Tony where – if somebody plays an instrument, uh -huh. they can challenge somebody in the band at that moment for the person's spot in the band. Yep. And what's wild is that it's always been a weird part of the show that I always had. And now all of a sudden we're in the live music capital of the world. So it's even, mm -hmm. you know, even the stakes are raised even higher. You know, some guy who thinks he can play guitar from St. Louis or some guy that can play the drums from you know, Dallas, you know, it's a big deal to these musicians to be in Austin. Like, they recognize what's going on, plus the pressure of the internet, plus they're in front of a live audience, plus they're going up against somebody on their own home field. And it's never happened where the resident drummer's gotten beaten. It hasn't. Ever. Because I was like, suddenly, because I love the underdog always, right? Always. And same. I didn't have any, any attachment to the band. I don't know any of them. Yeah. So I'm like, holy shit, mm -hmm. this dude didn't get this. Right. But this guy has a shot right now. And if he wins, every he's on every show from then on. Like So like you're a full-time band member if you win, which nobody ever does. He, this guy tanked, bro. This yeah. guy. Yeah, <laughs> these people. So bad. Was that the one like he like dropped his sticks right away or something? Like, I don't even. We had another one recently where the guy's like, I've been waiting my whole life for this, Tony. And he starts. <laughs> and the first drum that he hits, the stick goes flying back and you see his soul leave his body. Huh. He ended up getting it and catching up a bit. He put he put a little challenge in. but And, you know, the harder the first guy goes, that just means the resident drummer's they are. They get to see, which is the ultimate That's advantage. True. They're going second's a big deal on that one, dude. They, and you like you just thrive. I feel like you're like a dream. You're whatever the opposite of a dream catcher is. I feel like <laughs> I'm a nightmare thrower. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like you just like it's just this world. But it's such a the whole thing. The whole show has this. It's that moment that like. I'm going to try this. It's going to be captured. Yeah. Can I do this? There's all those feelings. And it's like two and a half hours of that every yep. episode. Man, it just, it floored me how much fun I had, how much like kind of nostalgia I had. Yeah. And how much I realized I don't think I could do those, what they were doing. Right. No, I agree. People out there, we have regulars that write and perform a new minute every single week. William Montgomery, David Lucas, uh, you know, Hans Kim, 
um, Michael Lair, all these guys that do this, I am enamored by their courage and their strength and their work ethic. It is an extreme challenge. You have the whole internet there like, yeah, I'm sort of sick of them now. You know, William's been doing it four years, writing a new minute wow. every single week for four years. Granted, a lot of it, he's making fun of Red Band's mom. and <laughs> It's insider trading at this <laughs> A little point. bit, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, Quite a bit. Some Aphex Twin references that get a big pop from the crowd just because they know that he references Aphex Twin for some reason sometimes. So it's like there was two guys in the front row yesterday wearing Aphex Twin shirts because they knew William was going to be with me in Nashville. What is it, Aphex Twin? I barely even know, and I'm a huge music fan. Oh, it's a band? Yeah, I think so. I think it's like maybe electronic music or something. I'm not really sure. Might be like acid bath, man. I remember we had this lady by us who something was wrong with her, you know, or something wasn't right with her. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one it was, but she would always ask if we were going to see acid bath all the time. That's all she said. Huh. She had like kind of this musical autism or whatever. Aphex Twin, best known as an Irish-born British musician, composer, and DJ known for his idiosyncratic work, electric styles such as techno, ambient, and jungle. Dude, ambient sound is so crazy, man. People put on like white noise, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just people like like tucking their kids into bed at night. Yeah. And fucking like uh, wouldn't it be s- really wouldn't it be weird if it were like actual just noise noises white people make? <laughs> yeah. I always wanted to make that can I speak with the manager? (laughs) (laughs) It's just the most whitest shit ever. It's just somebody putting on their work shoes in the morning. (laughs) I'll be there for you. Would you be there for me too? It's somebody putting stuff in the recycling bin. It's just like (laughs) small sounds that fucking white people do. Can you point me to the closest cracker barrel, please? (laughs) But Um, yeah, man, it's fun, dude. And you know, the trick, the secret sauce, I think, is I try to keep it interesting for myself. You know what I mean? Because I've been there every episode of Kill Tony. And the other part is Vince McMahon. Like, it's really just pro wrestling. Because it's like, I look at the... I always keep our guests a secret surprise. No one ever knows who's going to be there. And it's always either famous monster comedians or the future. Mm. You know what I mean? You're Brian Simpsons who like are just starting to get recognized now. Or, you know, three years ago it was Shane Gillis. Five years ago it was Tim Dillon. And I'm literally going. Same thing with you. Same thing with all these guys because i we know we're in the middle of the lineup so we know who's coming yeah you know what i mean and i would literally say with no hesitation i would say you know your net your your guest tonight is the future you might not know him now but he one day he will be recognized as one of the biggest comedians of all time ladies and gentlemen tim Dillon. you know and literally the crowd would be like oh i was hoping they don't know yet right you know what i mean yet they didn't know yeah i want somebody i right. want they, damn chris rock exactly. or i want damn uh, exactly but what's funny is they really don't somebody, they want people yeah. like you and him and shane and ari and the people that are in the moment with their own defined styles that are still, you know, there to prove themselves, not just some guy that's like, hey, I think you did good, you know? Instead, like, you were killing me, dude. You're so good at that. You want to talk about snipes, dude. You have little hand grenades in your pockets. I don't know, man. Sometimes you got to put them out there, bro. Um, You're like Tabasco in my suit. (laughs) What about, what's the difference, what's been the kind of the difference and... 
a lot of a lot of comedians moved to Austin mm -hmm. during the pandemic, mm -hmm. and obviously the same you know people moved. Uh, a lot of people didn't really move to Tennessee as much. I mean, uh, first of all, things got really weird during the pandemic. I wanted to also be in a state where somebody could carry a wet. It's like you didn't know how weird things were going to get. Hundred percent. People were looting. It was on the back of like a lot of the BLM stuff where people yep. were burning and looting, and so it was like. I want to live in a place where at least if I don't have a grenade on me, the guy two tables over yep. has one, you know? I love L.A., man. I was there. I thought I was going. Actually, I always thought I would retire to Nashville mm. after, like, growing old in L.A. It's always how I pictured it. Even though I toured Texas more than anywhere else, I would do Dallas three or four times Dallas a year. So fun. Yeah, it's crazy. God, it's fun. And Texas has a big, dirty, renegade, raw sense of humor, so... You know what I mean? That's right down my wheelhouse. And I love L.A. And still, you know, sometimes I go back to L.A. for a couple days and I'll do the main room of the comedy store, be in the middle of the lineup for their own shows. I'll leave in a veil and I get whatever I want, basically. But my neighborhood was Fairfax and Third, right by the Grove, right by Pan Pacific Park. It was oh, yeah. unbelievable. I would go down Fairfax after doing the comedy store, the improv, and you make two quick little right turns. It was like the Bat Cave in a very residential commercial area. I would like sneak off into my little end of a one way street. It was, per I had the most amazing setup. Mm. And then one day, my neighbor's like, you might want to be careful tomorrow. There's supposed to be some big like rally, some big protest, BLM, you know, George Floyd. It should be, it should get kind of crazy because they're starting it at this park right around the corner. I'm like, cool, I'm going to go to Venice Beach and hang out with my older brothers who live out there, you know, 20, 30 minute drive from there. So I go to the beach, we're chilling on the patio and... Uh, my brother at one point, I'll never forget it, goes, Tony, come in here. Isn't this your street? And I'm like, what? My street? And the first thing I notice on the TV is the CNN logo. Like I realize that we're watching the national news, not like KTLA or whatever. Right, not somebody's iPhone, not a video. Exactly. Not a sketch or something. Right, some the creep. time is matched up, and right. I'm looking at a police car on fire at the bottom of my street. Wow. And then they cut to another police car on fire, and it's the top of my street. So there's one at Hayworth and uh, 3rd, and one at Hayworth and uh, Beverly. Oh, yeah, that's and, a damn luau, bro. A lot of pork being grilled, baby, you I'm know? I'm telling you. Damn. And it is a sight to see when you're watching the national news and it's clicking back and forth to both sides of, I mean, literally one block. It is my street. Like, it is, it's, damn. there's only probably 40 houses there and one of them's mine. So. So that spooked you? Spooked the hell out of me. So I go there. I'm like, I literally remember saying, I think I have to go. Yeah. And so I got in my car and tried to make it there because I'm like, at least I'm going to defend it. Because right, at least I'm going to grab my laptop. Right, exactly. All the little stuff, the my dad's dad's watch or whatever, yeah. the little things. My and grandpa's earrings, dude, if your grandpa was closeted <laughs> or whatever. It's always like, like damn, what a fucking... <laughs> Gotta have Papa's butt plug, you know what I mean? Anyway, and I barely make it there. Uh, another thing that stuck in my memory is like I was trying to get back to my place and there's a riot crew of doof, 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 American, like blacked out, shields, guns, everything moving down the street. And I'm like, oh, I have to take side streets. They're about to block this off. So like I'm hustling, scurrying like a rat to get back to 
my place. And then that's where it really sets in because the chaos was there. The sun goes down. And that's where, you know, a lot of people in the news never covered it like they should have. And but it was it was the end of the Joker movie. It was complete Gotham City. Mm. They lit the Trader Joe's behind me on fire. Like my the back wow. of my building was to a Trader Joe's. Like and it's on fire. And the fire alarms are going off and smoke's pouring out of broken windows. And the paper source across from that windows are busted out. Fire alarms are going off. Wow. Um, fires everywhere. Graffiti everywhere on. Trees on telephone poles, on cars on the street, on the ground, on the cement, on the sides of buildings. Like the whole thing exploded. It was so much worse than people ever know because the next morning, the whole neighborhood who takes great pride in in living in that area fucking went out there with rags and pressure washers and brooms. And I couldn't believe it. It was actually sort of an emotional trip. I went for a drive down third up La Cienega, down Beverly, up Fairfax, down Melrose, and I could not believe what I was seeing. Mm. People all out there cleaning and fixing it. And I think there's sort of a catch to that is people never really found out exactly what happened there. Like right. it, it was chaos. And it wasn't that neighborhood. It wasn't people from around there. It was, you know, a different thing coming up from Long Beach or whatever. But then you immediately realize like, wow, well, this place... This can happen here. It just happened. Right. So right. whatever just happened can happen here. And let me tell you something. Two years in Texas, I can say with no hesitation, it would never happen there. It's absolutely impossible for that to happen there. Mm. I was always, maybe people shouldn't, have, you know what I mean? I didn't know where, I didn't really have a stance on guns. I was too busy only caring about comedy. Didn't really, you know, that's another thing about Texas is like I'm alive now. I'm doing right. things. I'm right. golfing and then going to the range and then doing a spot and then, you know, having well, a yeah, nice steak. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that was one nice thing that I thought of just like, I, I got, have to, I have to be somewhere where I can, where things are open. Yep. I can't just totally oh. go along with this thing that like, it just felt insane to me. And, and of course that's just my natural instincts. Right. Other people's are different. I respect that, but totally. So I wanted to be in a place that was open. Um, yeah. What do you feel like the comedy scene is different? Like in Austin, compared to LA like oh will it do you think Austin can actually I don't know if anything can compete with some of these bigger markets you know just because of the volume of people I hear you I think that um I think the difference is the industry isn't in Austin like you know Netflix headquarters and these a lot of people I think we've lived through an age of uh stand up comedy to where we've watched the complete evolution. We watched it go from okay, well, you got to have clean 3 minutes for the tonight show or you know, a decently clean 22 minutes for a comedy central half yeah. hour to you know, okay, you could be a little bit edgier on Netflix and do an hour and then it's like kind of like oh Netflix is sort of cutting down on edginess like unless you're really established they're going to give you notes and and I think that uh, it's wild west comedy happening in Austin which is you know obviously what people want you know people go to a strip club you don't want to see you know a girl in a bikini no you want to see Fucking! I want to hear the N word. You're damn right. Yeah, I see some buttholes. <laughs> yeah, I want to see yeah. some misplaced ingrown hairs some and sparklers. things like that. Yeah, I want to yeah. see it all. Mm-hmm. I want to see a girl bringing a you know a candle to the table, 
but just, you know, walking on her hands, you know, I want to see somebody. Hell yeah. I want to see. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, one thing I noticed in Austin was that they stay, you guys lock the phones up over there, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. Phones are locked up and that's to, you know, our shows are still recorded. We have, you know, cameras rolling on everything. Cause one thing that we've learned is that it's good to have your own footage so that it can't be taken out of context. Right. I've always thought that when someone goes for an interview on any type of net or anything, mm -hmm. They should mm -hmm. also, if it's a if it's a ground where they don't trust, maybe that they will be portrayed accurately. They should have someone record at the same time for them. That's what we're doing. So that way, it's like there will be no real misconceptions here. Hundred percent, because it can happen. You know, it can happen to anyone at any point. You know, even in that crazy video that happened with me that made me look like a horrible, horrible human being. You oh know? yeah, with the Asian stuff. Yeah, 20... was that Hans Kim? Was that the? No, it was no, a different it's a guy. Different guy. But twenty five seconds after that, his edited version of the video, I had my own video recording of the entire thing, in which you know, twenty five seconds after his ends, I end up going. Come on, lady, relax. You're looking at me like I'm serious over here. Ba -ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. You know, joke about that. Joke yeah. about that. I'm into jokes. Like, there was no, like, scene. It wasn't the chaotic breakdown that it looks like on the, you know, 20-second clip that the person released. Like it's, you know, it was, a, it was a random, casual Thursday comedy show. I actually yelled at Bobby Lee when I saw him a couple months ago in L.A. I go, that was all your fault, by the way. You let me call you those words for fucking over yeah. a decade without telling me there was something wrong. Well, that's one of the issues people look at. There's always that bait Asian. Yeah. And they will, they let you say all kind of things or this or that or joke around with them. Yep. But they don't email the crew, the buddy and say, hey, man, this guy's with, you know, he's, right. you know, he, get, he gets it or whatever. Right. And, and Bobby, so yeah, Bobby goes, oh, yeah, I felt really bad when that happened to you. Yeah. Uh, and I go, well, thanks for showing your support online. I'm glad that you saved it so that you could tell me face to face a year later. <laughs> You'd think Bobby would have ability to email, everybody, especially since he's doing all that browser hunting already right on Brendan Shaw's fucking, <laughs> since he's stalking Brendan on his own, whatever. That whole debacle was, oh. that's one of the fun, it's almost like a sketch show. You know, oh. when you go watch that, it's like. They had like screen grab, like Brendan doesn't own a computer, which is the funniest part of all of it, yeah, right? Yeah. Like he's like, do he's getting this research and he has like screen grabs on his phone. Uh, the whole thing was just so ridiculous. It's wild. Um, I couldn't get enough of it. That was like my, that was my, that was my like thing. I switched from like police interrogation videos to like following the <laughs> yeah. Shab and Bobby Lee thing for a while. It's on my YouTube algorithms just filled with Bobby Lee, Brendan Schaub, Kalila, like I know. weird. I'm because I can't. I there's just, some sometimes I'm on one thing and then sometimes I'm like, maybe they did do that. <laughs> like it like switches quickly. It's like if you're talking to, you know, your gun toting friend and uh, then all of a sudden you're with your liberal. Well, if there were no guns and this happened, you know, like sometimes you can see both sides of the argument. Oh, yeah. I'm like, well, I mean, Brendan, you know, you some, you know, hate happens to people. People are jealous. You know, you're a fighter turned comedian. And then all of a sudden I saw one clip where Kalila's like, yeah, I'm a lot better at the internet than people think. And I'll destroy someone. It's like from an episode years earlier. And like, I'm like, whoa, 
This yeah. is all wild because people have made some serious breakdown videos of that stuff. Oh, it's well, I, I'm amazed at how like the uh, what a there's such a world now with podcasting. There's also like this soap opera undercurrent yeah. of all of it. You yeah. know, I don't play it. You you would think Kill Tony would be a big poker and like I get it people like drama but I don't want I, I've always looked at it like if you play that game those are the types of fans you're gonna get you oh, want to you want to be drama you want to do gossip you want to do this you're gonna end up then you're not even in the comedy world anymore all of a sudden you're in the drama world you know what I mean yeah. and I look at some of the people with successful YouTube shows and podcasts that aren't stand-up comedians and I see them doing that yeah a like lot. Ethan Klein show does yeah. that a lot yeah I notice they get a lot more like but it's it, he's he does a great show yeah <clears throat> and Ethan's a you know we've had some great conversations man he's an extremely deep guy um but yeah that I think that's just their world I guess it's also what is your world? Right. You know, and what do you like? Like some people, they like that. Right. It's like, I guess I don't know if I care about it that much. You right. Know? Um, yeah. But it's definitely, it's, it's crazy how there's just such a microcosm of like, uh, there's like a couple hundred channels that put out clips mm-hmm. that I'll see that are, are of me from different shows and stuff. And I'm like, there's a whole little ecosystem out here going on yeah. of channels and stuff. And it's like, you want to fight or whatever. You're just like, what are you going to, you know, it's like. There's there's just so much podcasting. It's it's really its own. It's its own. I mean, it's a huge world now. Yeah. With layers and like, there's like people making like vi- like reviewing po- like reviewing clips and things that have happened. It's it's gotten pretty deep, man. Oh um, yeah. There's people reviewing those people's yeah. review shows and stealing their ideas and doing ripoffs of their shows and like you know what I mean? Like it's like they're reviewing the review. Yeah, there's like a sports center for podcasts yeah. almost now where yeah. they're like looking at highlights and replaying things yeah. and like it's interesting though. It's definitely fascinating to be a part of the uh, little universe. Mm-hmm. Um but what do you see that's different about that Austin scene? What do you think like with Joe's Club being built? What do you think? What do you think it can get to that place where it is like the third biggest city for comedy? I think it'll be number one. I really, really, truly believe that because I think that, um, I mean, I already see it. I see the amount of tickets that we sell casually, like, like it's nothing. Like people are just dying for it and waiting for it, and people are flying into Austin now when they used to fly into LA and New York to have a comedy weekend, you know, if they wanted to see, you know, three nights of shows, that's where they would go. But now words out syringes are on the street, porta potties on the crosswalks in LA. You know about that? They just started putting porta potties at the big crosswalks. No. Yeah. So like you want to cross Hollywood and Vine, there's a porta potty there right next to the button to cross the street. Dang. And it, it, it ain't clean. Spoiler alert. It's not like a brand new. It's not like one of those like on the set. Oh, we slept one during Mardi Gras one time, dude. Oh. We stayed in there for a couple hours. Damn. We were hot on drugs and it was late. We were probably 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. And you had you got to get some cover. You got to get a little bit of shelter at those hours, especially in New Orleans. You know, it's wow. got that real, oh, yeah. a lot of human vampires, dude. A lot of dudes mm-hmm. will fucking... Mm-hmm. Trying to just sink their teeth and eat a dick out there at mm-hmm. night, you know, out around a French Quarter. Sounds like my kind of party. Uh, all right, on. You know, if you're missing something, you might look into Lost and Found. But I'll tell you what you won't find in there, your hair. People lose their hair every day. One to hundreds of thousands of people are losing their hair right now. 
but that can change with Keeps. Keeps offers a simple, affordable, and stress-free way to keep your hair. I've ordered Keeps. I've been using some of their products. I find that I have a lot more hope for the hair that I'm currently growing than I had before. That hope helps keep me a little bit more relaxed, less stress. Remember, prevention is key. Treatments can take up to four to six months to see results. So act fast because two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they are 35. So if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss like a good man, go to keeps.com slash Theo to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash T-H-E-O to get your first month free. Keeps.com slash Theo. Are you wasting money on subscriptions? Ask yourself that. And ask honestly. Don't BS yourself. Ask honestly. Are you part of you get a Bible of the month or something? Are you getting something beef jerky? They're sending every three weeks. They email you a couple sticks or whatever. Are you doing something else? Something your wife don't want you doing? Getting barrettes or doing something naughty? I don't know. But you might be wasting money on subscriptions. 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. 80%. That's everyone. That's right. But there's this great app I use that helps me track all of my expenses. And because of it, I no longer waste money on subscriptions I don't even use. It's called Rocket Money. It's formerly known as Truebill. And the app shows all your subscriptions in one place and cancels what you don't want for you. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may even find out you've been double charged. To cancel a subscription, all you have to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That's what they do for you because they care about you. That's why. That's it. Cancel unnecessary subscriptions with Rocket Money today. Go to rocketmoney.com slash Theo. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash T-H-E-O. People say it's the best app they've ever used. Stop wasting your money. Rocketmoney.com slash Theo. But, but what, listen, I think that I here's my other theory. But is, is there enough comedians? Will there be enough? This that's my question. We're because already, you've had guys like Tim Dillon that have gone there and left. Yeah. Raheem Anwar oh, he's that there. has gone Tim's there. Tim's there. He's just waiting for Joe's club to be full time. Tim has more property in Austin than anybody. He talks a lot of shit, but he's like buying it up. Really? Oh yeah, dude. He gets it. Mm. Tim's out here killing it. And Segura and Christina and me and Joe and Ron White and a whole bunch of the the youth, the future. Derek Danny Brown, Preston, you know Danny, Danny Brown. Danny Brown, yeah, no doubt. I'm very close with Danny. He's, He's my funny. homie. Oh my god, I just yeah, ate mushrooms with him a couple weeks ago. Really? Oh god. Oh, so much fun. He ate like a baseball gloves worth of mushrooms. Wow. Like, and and I was tripping my balls off, but I didn't eat as much as him. And he just was so fun. He's popping out of corners, being all silly and like funny and stuff. Times have changed. Like a lot of brothers wouldn't do mushrooms back in the day. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't see a brother on psychedelics, you know? It just wasn't, I don't know. I think maybe black people had too much fear and maybe even inside of them and their own history. You don't want to add any, Mm -hmm. you don't want to, you know, 
season up the cauldron any, you mm-hmm. know? But now, yeah, you got a lot more, um, you know, kind of mustache brothers out there who will uh, do some uh, drugs, you know, psychedelics. Oh, yeah. It's fun. It's cool. It's cool to see a brother out there tripping. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, hell yeah, dude. This oh, is, yeah. We're getting equal. Yeah, we're doing it. Yeah. We're all part of the <laughs> yeah. same universe. Yeah, we're all part of the same thing. But people are coming to visit. Those New Yorkers are that are real joke gunslingers. We just had a tell on the show on Monday. Oh, he wow. just did a whole weekend in Austin, and he's looking at it with a twinkle in his eye like, wait, what are you guys doing here? This does... You guys do this every Monday, and then you do... Okay. Like, and to any comedian... You know, comedy store style, you know, or comedy seller style. They come to Austin and they're looking at it with like, okay, so maybe I'll spend like a week out of every month here. You know, we get Ari, Shane, and Norman there for- I know, they love it. Four days a month. And Rogan's bringing good comics down to be on his show. Yep. I mean, that's what made me think about it. It was like, I would like to go for a month and just have an experience of it. What does it really feel like to be there, go out, get you a sandwich, get right. you a coffee, get you a, you know, you know, find a wife or something yep. or see it and, you know, and do comedy at night while you're trying to do that, you know, yep. and, and have a, you know, a, a, like a lifestyle of it. I um, can't believe how much I love it. Wow. You know, spending the whole 15 first years of my career in L.A., I never would have guessed that another option would work. Um, I'm amazed at that, too, living here. Yeah, exactly. You know? And, like, all of a sudden, you're comfortable, and you're a little bit better rested, and you have maybe a new hobby or something, something to, you know? Because I think in L.A., it's or New York, perhaps, it's easy to just be like, oh, I got to work, I got to work, it's only about the next joke, you know what I mean? I got to, I got to, but then you're not living, you're not experiencing things, you're not taking note, you're not having great conversations where you say something that you realize might be good on stage. Like, living is a huge part of what we do. Right, I agree. And I think one of the things that's happened to Hollywood over the years is it used to be that people went, people had these, like, wild, like, people went there with their energy and, and like, made their dreams happen, wrote scripts. and But now it's been so much, like, the children of children and nepotism and, you know, third-generation screenwriter that it's, like, the people writing the things and creating the things, they're not, they don't have as much life experience anymore. They're, maybe their grandfather did. Maybe their mother did. But they're still kind of riding off of those old stories and energies. So they're not as tuned in to some of the reality right. of uh, of just like um, of creativity, really. You know, another thing that I think is that it's much easier for people to be jealous and competitive. There's a lot of billboards there. I noticed that my last trip there, I'm like, wow, I just always didn't notice. Like, I mean, the billboards were just part of like the skyline. It's just the tree. It like blends in with L.A. And as I'm looking up there, I'm realizing, oh, my God, that show looks like crap. That show looks like crap. That movie I has it looks it tells its whole script right there in the billboard. Like, and I'm judging these billboards and I realize like this whole place does that to people. Like all of a sudden I'm daydreaming about why does that idiot have a show? That's not going to work. Wow. Comedy Central's dead as hell. You know, you're looking at the killed itself. Yeah. And I'm looking at these billboards and I realize I'm thinking about this. They have me thinking about these things which in austin you can't there is no like oh 
oh, I wish I had that, or this person would be better for that, or this is where that should be. Like, right. So little... it takes a lot of that business and the jealousy and the like, oh, look at the, it takes a lot of that glitz out of it and stuff right. like that. And also it's like these people, you know, in LA and New York, it's the last stand because we've learned now that the podcast is the way you can have your own show and build your own fans with people that are into what you're into and like the sound of your voice and want to hear it. So that old model of like, all right, let's throw this to the people and see who likes it. Like it's an old school model and it takes away from the ability to build something. And now people are like, well, if I didn't start a podcast now, I can't start now. I'm in too deep now. But it's like, who knows? It's like Bitcoin or NFTs or whatever. Like who knows what the anything is? Yeah. Well, there are some things that are great about LA too, though. It's yeah. like the weather is absolutely unbeatable. Ridiculous. You can't beat it. And yep. there's no, there's not even any question about right. it. I don't know if there's anywhere in the world you can beat the weather there. Yeah. There's uh, barely any bugs. There's no allergies in the air. It's, no poisonous animals. Yeah. Jesus, man. Yeah. A third of my childhood was filled with fucking poisonous animals, mm-hmm. dangerous animals, mm-hmm. street animals, fucking nighttime animals, fucking. Just fucking mean owls, everything, man. Right. It was all fuck, just harrowing, dude. I remember one time, <clears throat> my brother and I are asleep in our bedroom, right? A fucking owl, like a nighttime owl or whatever, shattered right through the fucking window in our bedroom, dude. Oh, my God. Dude, sc- uh, scared me so bad, bro. We had no idea what it was. We didn't know if it was like a burglar or what, you know? That means someone in your family is going to die soon if an owl flies through your window. Oh, yeah. Everybody died. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I wish I'd have known that at the time though. Um, but there are things that are great about it. The access to people that are there is also nice. Like, you know, I have friends like my friend James Blake lives there. He's a musician and he's like, I would have never got to meet him if I didn't live in LA. And it it is kind of name dropping, but he's also like one of the most unique people that I get to talk to. Mm -hmm. Like all of us and that would have never met each other if we had, if it hadn't been for LA. Oh yeah. Um, I'm grateful for it. Just like I'm grateful for Youngstown. I think that, you know, being from a place and living and having the experiences of being in, you know, a diabolical place gets you to appreciate everything that happens after that, right? Like you wouldn't be quite as at peace here in Nashville if you didn't know that it takes an hour and a half sometimes to drive from one gig to another in LA or from the airport to your house in LA. Those little things. Like here you get out at the airport, you're here in 10, 15 minutes, right? Yeah. Same thing with me. In fact, I try to set new records each time. The airport's like a place that now I have like great pride and trying to get home in like seven minutes or eight <laughs> minutes it's crazy um yeah i guess there's uh, yeah there's definitely a lot of things and it's also like this is part of the journey it's like um you know uh communication like is more free on podcasts and so it would make sense that maybe they expand out to different areas over time it's been really interesting to be in a different place and have access to different guests and like unique people that um, normally may not have, be able to get on a certain platforms or w- weren't even able to get on like kind of podcasts and stuff. So that's been, uh, really interesting and kind of seeing like, well, what's, who's the next person that I'm going to get to meet that would be like really, really, really awesome to have come on from here. Like we got Mike Rowe is going to come on. Right. So I'm really excited about that. Like, I don't know if I would ha- be able to have him on if I weren't in this area. So, um, yeah, there's different things about it and I can go back to LA whenever it's always there. It's still like you go back the comedy store, the improv yeah. places that I love, the laugh factories become, um, it's, it's still great. Yeah. Uh, it's gotten better actually. 
just busier over there. So the stages are still there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fun. And yeah, man, when I go back to the store, it is a party. Those are my people. You know, those yeah. people that have worked there forever. Um you know, we're so close and we have so much fun and it's like a reunion. It's like a different vibe instead of being there all the time. It's like, you know, it's like going home and visiting in a family Yeah, in a hometown. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. I just, it's like, and we also have to be supportive of the places we are. It's like you, you have to do that. Like you have to kind of champion where you are to an extent in order to be able to survive there right. and, um, and have like a nice perspective every day. Yeah. Um, let's talk, look, what's some news that's going on? What do we got? Daddy? O? here we got Tesla reveals new AI robot Optimus. Do you see this? No, this is wild. It will cost under 20,000. Oh my goodness, what can it do? That's what I'm wondering. Look at it. Uh, I mean, okay, it can walk. Yeah, kind of. Dude, I don't even know. I feel like this thing couldn't even work at uh I don't think this thing would make the band at Chuck E. Cheese, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's quite the awkward strut. <laughs> yeah. Like if that was a human that walked like that, you would not trust it. Oh, is that waving? Oh, get out. Oh, of it here. looks like Biden. Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> Just fucking waving at nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um Dude, for me, this uh, the thing about Tesla is I put in them to get that truck mm-hmm. two years ago. Yep. And it's like I keep extending my current lease because I'm waiting for that truck. Yep. And I I, I don't know. I, I don't care about this shit. Can I tell you something? Have yeah. You, have you touched one yet? Have you, like, been in one? Uh-uh. I, I have. And is it, it is worth it? the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I'm not a big Tesla guy at all. I like I like gas-powered, you know, American-made oh, yeah. sports cars. Oh, I want to burn to death if I get in a wreck. Yeah, exactly. And, but this one, and I saw pictures of it, just pictures and video online before, and I'm like, that doesn't even look that cool, seem that cool. In person, man, that thing is the most undeniable, baddest it goes from, you know, a low rider to all the way to a monster truck. Like you can raise it and Damn. the technology is absolutely insane. You know, Elon Musk is in Austin, Texas, yeah. another buddy old pal. And you were, were you able to get in there? there? Yeah. Yeah. You got in the Tesla truck. Oh, yeah. And where'd you sit in the front or back? The front. Wow. Yeah. And it's all beautiful. In per- It's the most different. I've never seen anything where... A picture, a video online is so much different than seeing the actual thing. I've never seen a bigger, like, uh, just difference in how unbelievable it is in person. Did it feel like... It's kind of like a comedian that's really, really great live, but doesn't translate to TV or clips, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's a few of those. That's how it is. It's, like, powerful live. It seems like nothing else. It seems like a spaceship. It almost like a DeLorean, but new, brand new. But does it feel like kind of like a bitch truck, or does it feel kind of fucking tough, or tough. does it feel tough? Does tough it, as shit. Like it does. Army, does it feel army tough? Really, like a Hummer meets a, you know, like a Ram, but wow. electric. It doesn't even seem electric by its appearance. Huh. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's Dang. Amazing, amazing stuff. I want that. Yeah, that, and that's the one you got in, right? Like that. Yep. Wow. And it is so cool and so fast and so crazy. Yes, yeah, you just want to touch it. I'm so ready for that. Yeah, 
God, I want to make love in the back of that. Mm-hmm. A lot of space. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. Antonio Brown. Exposed himself to stun guests in hotel pool. His oh, butt. he showed his butt to that. Whoa. Oh, that's not. Why is he naked in this pool? This might be another country. You know, his hog's probably so big that he's having sex with that girl the whole time. And we and not even, even see Even it. from this far. Look at her. She's bouncing up and down on it. You see that? Dude, if you had a crazy long wiener, you would have to. You got to show it to somebody. No doubt. Do fun things with it. Measure for first downs on the football field. Oh. All of it. You know what I mean? There's a lot of fun things. I mean, my buddy. Uh, get like a one foot marker on it, like tattooed. <laughs> Yeah, definitely get like some. Somebody's trying to like measure something. You hit them with that. Next thing you know, y'all are making love. You know, yep. God, it's pull just it like through you, the sleeve and pull this arm like behind you and just mm-hmm. sort of like wave to people with your penis. <laughs> I would, I'm just thinking here. It's some good. It's fun to draft. Yeah, I just in your feel head. like I would if I had that. If you had, because it's almost like having like a. Like if you have one of those little dogs, you get to carry it in a thing and show it and take it on the plane. You yeah, know, yeah, it'd be crazy if you had like a small bag and you snuck, you know, like right. you poked it out the top. Yeah, or if you put took one of those little service animal vests and put it across it, and it's just like here, you go. <laughs> don't pet it. It doesn't like to be petted. You can look Damn, at. Damn, you got that service wiener, dog. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yep. What's the longest wiener they've ever had? Can you look at the? Well, here he is, right here. F- look at this. He's flashing his wiener out the water. Oh, yeah, there it is. And they're looking, and you know those men are even and looking. And you could tell with that blur, it is absolutely humongous. Bro. I mean, look at that thing. Look at that. That thing, I mean, that that's like an alien sighting or something. That looks like a UFO. Wow. Look how long that is. Dude, that looks, yeah. That looks wow. like it's got some hit points if this were Zelda Breath of the Wild. <laughs> That thing, wow, that's crazy, man. See, I, it's just, it's interesting. If you had a, it's like, if you had a great wiener, you should be able to show it to somebody every now and then. If you got a regular wiener, sure. Right, that's disgusting. Right. No one wants to see a regular wiener. Oh, But a giant wiener is something that both boys and girls can agree on. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's it's worth showing off. What's the biggest wiener, buddy? Can you look at that? We might have a blocker on here. This is interesting. Biggest wiener ever. This is good. This is podcasting gold, if you ask me. Is it? Yeah, hell yeah. Biggest wiener? Me and you finding out together? Exactly. The record for biggest penis in history? Oh, yeah. That is kind of exciting. Yeah. Eight feet? -uh. (laughs) Nuh-uh. Oh, it's a blue whale. That makes sense. Oh, he's got that. Okay. Uh... Yeah, we're going to have to put human in the mix here. Man, you just gave away your cookies on this. that one. 18.9. No way. Whoa. Roberto Cabrera, wow. No way. Latino coming in. Oh, man, that just might be his like brother. He might have a Siamese twin just connected to his groin area. Dude, this guy, he could rake a yard with that thing, dude. He's halfway <laughs> to work. Has smashed the previous record with his mammoth penis, measuring an incredible 18.9 inches. Let's see more verbiage on it. 18.9. What? The man with the world's largest penis has revealed his daily life is like, uh, as he rejected the possibility of having a reduction, 54-year-old 
Roberto Esquival Cabrera wow. from Saltillo, Mexico, has a penis measuring a record break in 18.9 inches. Wow. Damn. That's what? unbelievable, man. God. I can't believe it. I would hate that, though. Would you, though? <laughs> yeah, because then you have to wash your penis. That's true. That's a, that's a whole... That's a whole other five minutes. Put lotion on your wiener. Mm. If you had that much wiener, what he how, probably has people to lotion that wiener. You think? Yeah, he probably has. But then again, what's the biggest vagina? Is the real question here? What's mm. the deepest human vagina? That's a great question. What is the deepest human vagina, Bub? This is. See, now we're really getting into something here. Yeah, people never look at this, huh? Right. Because that's the real, because you can't put it all the way. You can't, obviously. Anna Swan. Okay, here we are. Biggest vagina in the world. I just pop up. It's just a picture of me. (laughs) (laughs) Penis in the world. Okay, scroll. Have yours. uh, Keep scrolling. That's nothing. Wait, did you see that was the guy? Nuh-uh. Yeah, scroll back up. No, up, up, up. That dude, that's him. Robert Esquivel Cabrera. Wow. Look at that guy. World's largest penis. The world's biggest vagina belonged to Anna Swan. Oh my goodness. Wow, she died in 1888. Wow. 19-inch circumference. It's a little less than than the circumference of a rugby ball. She was a Scottish giantess and reached a height of 7 foot 8 inches. She also reportedly delivered the biggest newborn ever, recorded 23 pounds 12 ounces. Wow. It's time. <laughs> oh, that's a fucking bantam weight, dude. That is unreal. <laughs> oh, there's the guy. Oh, there's Roberto, eh? Oh, my goodness. Zoom in a little here, Bucky. Look at the girth of that thing. Dude, he has it taped like one of those horse's legs when they put the tape <laughs> on it before it runs. Like it's about to have its own boxing match. Oh, my God, bro. Yep. You've got to be kidding me. He has a beer koozie on it. Oh my goodness. <gasps> Look at this. Wow. This oh. is incredible. Oh my goodness. Jesus. Great hair, too, huh? Oh my God, look at it. Do you see it in his yeah. pant leg? Oh my God. <gasps> Large in that video up, but don't turn oh the audio on. My God, he literally, he walks like, he has to walk like that Tesla robot. To, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, nobody walks like that robot. And then all of a sudden, world's largest penis. Maybe the robot has a big penis. Dang, man. See, that's what I wouldn't want to do. It's almost like you're like, I feel like you're at church every time. Like it's like noon at church and it's like fucking, it's ringing against your knees. <laughs> And or you get hard at a place where you're like where you don't where you shouldn't like that. Oh, but even if it gets hard, it's just like hitting against. It, there's no like. Ooh, it's got to just be painful because all of a sudden it's just trapped. It's like Harry Houdini. And again, all your blood, like you must lose like a third of the blood in yeah. your body. You're yeah, when he gets shorter. when he gets hard, he just like goes <laughs> <laughs> stupid, just like uh, <laughs> all the blood leaves his uh, body. There's a cost, man. There's oh. a cost to everything, no doubt. What other news we got here? So this is one thing that's been popping off a lot is this kind of drug-induced homosexuality right here. You can turn the audio on it. So this is a new drug? No, it's just like 
a lot of men are there's like been a pattern of men becoming gay based on drug use. Look at this. Oh my God. You see? Those are straight men. One more time, you can tell they don't want to be here, but the drugs got them here. Look at that. <laughs> Damn, boy. <laughs> How do you know they're straight? You can tell. Look at them. <laughs> Look at that. One of them called the other one, I think. A f- yeah. And yeah, he's like, you're gay, dude. Drugs got him like, maybe I do like dudes. See that one person comment? See that? Bam, boy. What? What happened, boy? Wow. Nothing gay. Who gay, bro? You See? That's crazy, bro. That's wow. interesting. I remember a guy tried to get me to do cocaine with him once and then be gay. You know, right. tried to lock me in a bathroom when I was trying to go to the airport. Ugh. How how did what was his move? He like went in for a kiss or something? Yeah, he said the doors are locked and I just believed him. You know, so obviously it would be like the worst. I'd be so easy to kidnap or whatever, you know. I didn't I just believed him and then cuz he also had the drugs. Right. So it's like I'm milling around and it's like how close to gay do you want to get for this drug? Right. Yeah. And he just yeah, something he told me. He like I remember took his watch off and put his watch on me. Just shit that like they trap you in like that. Oh yeah, that'll do it. The and then watch. they're like, what time is it? And then they pull, you know, like right. pull you close or whatever. Yeah. I don't know, bro. But next uh, thing you know, you're handcuffed. Oh yeah. And you're you you're just gay you know, it's just drug induced gay. But what else we have? Any other news that's going on? I don't care about this. Oh, I like this. Let's go to that. Two female cops arrest a shoplifter. Random guy comes in and does it for them. I didn't do anything. Why are you just Please. reaching for Please. Please. Stop resisting. I didn't do anything. What's this address? What's this address? Oh. Oh. Three, three Adams. Five, six, fifty, six, fifty. Oh. Where's this address? Let go. Oh. Oh. Thief. I love how they put the word thief on there. Wow. This is the type of stuff you're going to be seeing more of. I think is that vigilante style stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I was at a store not too long ago, a CVS, and Somebody in there was stealing stuff. Mm-hmm. And so then you have, then you just get the biggest guy that's in there. It's just like some chubby kind of vest. He's red vested. Mm-hmm. So now they have to, conf- they're confronting people. It's like people, it's not even their job description, right. you know? Yeah, man. I mean, that's another thing was at the, towards the end of my LA tenure, like the, 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 the windows were boarded up at all the drugstores near me where I knew the people that worked there. And it's like, you know, my neighborhood friends and there's plywood over the windows because you, you were just allowed to steal, I guess, up to $1,000 worth of stuff, which it's almost impossible to steal over $1,000 worth of stuff, you know, in one trip at least. Yeah, in one trip, yeah. Yeah, How much? so. Yeah. Reminds me of that supermarket sweep show. Remember that? Yeah, that's basically it. It really is. That's LA. It's a never ending supermarket sweep. Yeah, it's just, but it's like, it puts people in on edge. You know, it makes it, you know, I noticed when I go back to that CVS, I like feel like, okay, what could go off in here? Mm -hmm. You know, it makes me have like a different kind of, um, 
relationship with the other people in the store. What's going on? Where do I kind of position myself a little bit? Like it makes you kind of pay attention a little bit more. I, I do notice myself kind of having a little bit more insight on my surroundings, which is good, but also makes me kind of more fearful of just people, mm-hmm. which I feel like is kind of bad. You know, it's yeah. like you're just waiting for the next person to be that scare bear, you know? Right. Yeah. People are out there being wild. Not everybody's not everybody's thriving in these times. So like, I mean, you have to ask yourself, what would we be doing? You know what I mean? If we had nothing and needed uh, something. Same thing. Yep. Exactly. We'd be in there getting talked to by the big guy in the red shirt. You know? And it's when people start, when the fabric of kind of like that we are all buying into the idea that this is a country and these are the rules. Mm-hmm. When that starts to kind of like, you know, fluctuate, I feel like, and you see, sir, it's just so many years of, of some people getting certain treatments, some people get another treatment, you know, when you start to see that, like, there's just so much of like, um, your politicians just, you know, glad handing with their buddies and giving these contracts, you start to feel like there's not really that American dream. There's not really that thing that can, uh, that everybody's not playing fairly. I think it starts to make people not respect the game anymore, you know? But you still have to sit there at the Monopoly board, but you know that they don't respect the game, and that's when you fucking turn the shoe in and you get that little cannon, and you just start fucking just hauling ass, bro, just hanging out on Baltic, fucking blowing grams. I could tell it's been years since you played Monopoly. (laughs) (laughs) I think it has, man. for a cannon. But it's like, you just, you know. Baltic's the hood, by the way. You know, that's a rough neighborhood. It's purple. Baltic was gangster, dude. I would just get Baltic and just stay over there and fucking flex. (laughs) Just call people names when they pass through, dude. Yell shit. Yep. Baltic's over there with Mediterranean. It's a lower income area. Is it what was over there? Baltic? Yeah, maybe it was. I think so. What else we got in the news, man? I wonder if there's anything else we want to cover here. I know you got a couple shows tonight, man. I'm going to come and do one. We're going to have fun. Thank you, bro. Dude, that was so much fun last night. There's nothing I love more because, again, I'm an old school. I was raised on, like, pro wrestling. I didn't have a dad in my life growing up. So, like... There's some there, one of the big parts of pro wrestling that makes it wildly successful is the element of surprise, which I love more than anything. Combining that in our weird world of stand up comedy, so there's nothing. And again, I do it every week on Kill Tony. I literally never announce who the guest for that live show is going to be. So, you know, getting to have William, everybody thinks William, who they already know from my show, is bringing me up, and instead yeah. he's bringing up Nashville's own. Theo Vaughn, you know, and last weekend in Columbus, I got to bring up Chappelle. Everybody thought I was going to bring up Rogan, and instead I'm bringing up Ohio's own Dave Chappelle. And the room, I mean the pop, that element of people looking at the person that they came with like, no fucking way. And then you see the outline of Chappelle, the iconic, and the same thing with you. They see that fucking mullet fluttering in the air. They're like, we made it. That wife Extra bait. show. Here that's we that, go. That's that lady bait, dude. Yeah, you know, there is, that's so interesting. I never thought about it like that. It's dude. like when somebody like surprises and ran into the ring. The there ultimate was, warrior it, coming out at number 29. Yep. Anybody else who ran out, it was like, oh, it's good, yep. but it ain't the ultimate warrior. You know, the dude. other one, the other one, the undertaker. The lights go out and you hear the bell toll. Yeah. And you just get the chills because you're like, no way. 
right? And then, oh. and that's you know that's that's a big one. He lives in Austin as well. The Undertaker, Elon Musk. Something happening over there. There's something cooking. Well, they got to get them on stage, man. That's yep. the thing. We just those people will have to get on stage and do some time. Mm-hmm. I, I look. I think it's fascinating. I like the idea of an underdog place. I like the idea of something new. Yeah. Obviously, I'm really curious to see Joe's Club. It looked great when I walked through it. I was like, wow, this is really going to be cool. Oh yeah. And the adjustments and the 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 way that it's being built is by real comedians. You know, every other comedy club, even if it was owned by a guy that used to be a comedian or hosts the shows, you know, all those weird little places scattered around the country, it was never done by actual successful real touring comedians that could do theaters or arenas or whatever yeah. to really surgically make it. I mean, and you know. They we had uh, Louie in town three weeks ago or so, and he came in and even made one more final adjustment. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah, it's perfect. If the ceiling was just 12 inches lower, I think it would be even better than perfect. And we're like, and, you know, it's just you're watching the magic happen. Joe looks at the construction. I think we can do it. You know? Yeah, we could do it. Yeah. We'll just add a few few days. All right. Let's wow. do it. So those little tiny screws on like this Boeing 737 are being tightened to yeah. and the entrances and like the class of it is going to be crazy. Like it's going to be heaven. It's going to be what we loved about the comedy store but also with a little bit of a rock and roll and also a little bit of like a the shining vibe. You know that hotel from The Shining? Yeah. It's going to be like sort of really classy and cool like that. Mm. But also dark and creepy too. So magic. We're really excited. Yeah. Yeah. I could feel Joe's excitement even when he was walking me through it. You could feel like, you know, it's interesting to see somebody like that get excited, you know, who's had so many unique things happen to them in their life. Yeah. It's cool to see somebody get excited. Do you think that Joe would ever start a platform? Because obviously having a club is, is amazing, right? It's a, it's a tangible thing where you're right there. You can get up on stage. You know, it's like, this is the real art. Yeah. But I wonder if he ever creates like a, you know, like his like his own YouTube or like his own, because I feel like he would be the one, obviously, you know, he has the most gravitational pull. He could, and the thing is, I think he already has. I think that he just doesn't want need or want all the credit. You know what I mean? It doesn't need to be mm. called the Rogan Network. He just pushes the things that he believes in. You know yeah. what I mean? I think we're all part of that extension. I mean, there is no question that he is, that his show is the new Carson. It's the new Tonight Show. Like getting on it and being part of that universe, it means you're going to get bigger. Even when they came after him, even when they tried to cancel him, he got bigger. Everything just gets bigger even i when all the crazy stuff happened to me and there's a few days where i'm like oh my god am i about to go be a crab fisherman in alaska like what the fuck am i about to do (laughs) and to see that oh my god everything got a thousand times better like it's you know so i think he sort of already has this universe you know and you know if they ever really 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 come down on free speech and you know if youtube gets crazy or anything like that then you know there's totally something that's gonna have to happen um but i think right now he's he's doing everything he can for like other people it's incredible how he you know one thing that's not often talked about is 
you know, sometimes you'll go see some of the biggest comedians on planet Earth and you'll notice that their opening acts like aren't always really like they're not like their own killers. Like, you know what I mean? Like going back to last night, like I'm like, I I wasn't like, oh, I hope I can't follow Theo. You know what I mean? Because we, we've always done this dance. We've been going right. up before and after one another for over That's a, a decade continuously. I, and this comes, you know, and this is something that Joe and I have always had in common is like we thrive. We love the idea of giving the people the best possible human crazy ass show and pulling it off. You know, it's not fear driven uh, like I think a lot of people are because he's not like that. Yeah, Who he else is not would take like that. Joe Ro- mm. or Joey Diaz to feature for him in an arena in Atlantic City, you know, and and all this chaos and Ari Shafir and Duncan and all these wild people, you, me, all the, you know, who wants to really follow that? It's someone that wants to get better and help people that he thinks are the best. And, you know, so. Yeah, he does have an element of not having the fear driven. Yeah. I mean, he he followed Chappelle in that arena in Columbus two weeks ago, like butter, like it was nothing. And it was, you know, he doesn't have that part in him. He doesn't have that fear thing, really. Exactly. Fear is not a factor for him. It really isn't. (laughs) That crazy? Yeah. No, it really isn't. And if it was, you'd never find, I don't think you could see it. He's a diabolical human being. Like, I mean, you know, obviously he has a, just like anybody nowadays, there's a ton of haters out there that can pick apart this, like, oh, horse paste. But like anything you try to get them on, it's easily provable that they, right. you're just wrong. Like people that are, you know, oh, he's not a good stand up. Well, you're crazy because all of your favorite stand ups think he's an unbelievable stand up comedian. Every yeah. single one of your favorite comedians. Thinks he's a great comedian. Knows he's a great comedian. He's been doing it three decades. Just because you know him from a podcast or from Ivermectin or from CNN, it doesn't change what reality is. And there's a lot of opinions out there. Yeah. But someone like him, and it's so rare. There's not even there's not even a second place. Like he's like, you know, the, as far as helping people and, you know, staying humble, he's an incredible inspiration in that way. And I think. Yeah, it's easy for that to slip away. And once someone thinks that they have it all figured out, I think that's when it starts to slip. And he doesn't do that. He's constantly writing. He is his know. new his hour now. The one I saw two months ago, man, it was. It's. I mean, you don't want to say it's the best stuff I've seen him do, but that's okay to say. It's the. I've, yeah, I, I think he's done a lot of really, really great yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's the best stuff that I've seen him do. And you do want to say that about people because yeah. you do want them to continue to, you know, yeah. it's like 20 years in to be doing the best stuff. It's where you're supposed to be really. Exactly. But man, it fucking, that shit really, really floored me. I think there's something about, <laughs> you know, mainstream media going after him that made him want to be even better. Mm. Man, I'll show you idiots. I saw the same thing yesterday. I was hanging out with my buddy, John Rich, country music star. That hey, I, you told me about him. I got to get him on here. Oh, he's amazing. <clears throat> and... He's, you know, he leans hard right, harder right than some of those faces on Bell's palsy. You oh, know what I mean? He's yeah, like all the way. But everything he says makes yeah, sense. Yeah, he's got like Liberty Bell's palsy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, he does. He's a killer. You know what I mean? And he's just, he's got the best intentions and he's a great guy. And they come after him all the time because yeah. he's like, I think everybody should have a gun. He's on Fox News sometimes. You know what I mean? Like he is, uh, he does stand for um, what he thinks is right and what a lot of people, it turns out, think is right, thinks is right. And they've come after him a lot lately. And so he played us a couple songs because he's he's like you want you guys want to hear a song? This was number one on the Billboard charts for twelve days, and nobody talked about it. None of the media, n- nobody, because he didn't use one of the big record labels, mm-hmm. and he because he criticizes the um, he criticizes the. Uh, the uh, censorship of Twitter and Facebook and YouTube in the lyrics. Mm-hmm. So he decided he's not going to promote it on any of those things. So he literally just promoted it through Truth Social and Rumble. These like, you yeah, know, yeah. My farther, mother loves those. Right. And literally number one on the Billboard charts for 12 days. Can so we these bring that up? People didn't know what to do. He's above Lizzo. He's above Taylor Swift. He's above all of these things. And he's talking about these things that he's always felt and we made this correlation him and I were like whoa because we both you know we've been living in this world the last couple of years where people are trying to chop you down and it makes you more of who you are mm. he's always sort of been don't don't take my money you know I'll you know less taxes he's always been that but now the lyrics are clear he's literally saying what he wants just like how I've doubled down in my stand up and now I'm only exclusively talking about stuff that I shouldn't be talking about. Mm. And I have all those premises to myself because so many people are, you know, obviously you want to be on Netflix, you want to be on this, you want to be on HBO. Sure, who doesn't want to be? But the reality is that none of my stuff could be there. It would literally just cause a riot. You know, people would just quit or whatever. Right. So, but but the people love it. It's that live show effect of like, whoa, we're doing it. Oh my goodness. He just said that OJ's wife had a comment like, oh my God. What the hell? Where well, especially are we? as you evolve too, because you had a special on Netflix a yep. few years back. Yep. But as you evolve, it's like, yeah, if the platforms won't allow certain stuff or they don't just see, okay, this is just humor that's for some people, not for some, whatever. But if they only want to kind of navigate a certain area or only willing to go to certain, which like, you know, banisters, which is their right, but it does create not only for putting things out on YouTube, but really for going to see live comedy. It's mm-hmm. like, if you want to see kind of what I really want to say, come see live comedy. Yeah. And I find myself wanting to talk more about things that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I just even realized last night, I'm still telling a lot of jo- like jokes and stories and stuff, and I love that. But I would love to probably have a little bit more... I just noticed I'm kind of evolving. Yeah. I was just kind of noticing. I was like, okay, I love this stuff. This is good. It's entertaining. But also, I want to start thinking, well, how do I get more of some of my actual thoughts? Right. Passions. Um, and pa- yeah, things that yeah. like really move me, you know? Yeah. So I'm glad that those feelings are even arising in me. Yeah. What do we see right here? Country music star shun so-called woke record labels and released a song directly to Donald Trump's social media app, True Social. Uh, catapulting it to number one in the world on the Apple iTunes song chart. And the Billboard, which even this isn't covering. Yep. Rich saw his song outperform those hit makers such as Billie Eilish, Kate Bush, and Lizzo. Mm. 
here I am with no record label, no publisher, no marketing deal. And when he's telling you this and you're in his fucking living room sitting around Johnny Cash guitars and pictures with him and all. all. You got a beautiful home. I went there for a party once. Yeah. Beautiful. And I mean, he's the real deal. He's, you know, a lot of people just, again, just like Rogan, you might just know him as a guy you hate because he's on Fox News sometimes. Or, oh, he used Truth Social. I don't like that. But in reality, again, this is a guy completely respected by all of his peers in his industry. So, you know, for him, when he's telling you, like, dude, I did it and I didn't even do it the way that everyone has done it to this point. He literally did with this song what Rogan did with his podcast. He showed an entire industry of, you know... They invite the whole world to come live in our land and leave our countrymen dying in Afghanistan. They say, let go of Jesus and let government save. You can have back your freedoms if you do what we say. Yeah, he's putting it out there, isn't he? Yep. He's saying what he feels, progress. It's strong. It's a single. I got to check that out. Yeah, it's cool. Interesting, man. I'm not sure <laughs> what that version's like, but I just heard hit just him with an acoustic guitar yesterday mm -hmm. in his living room, and it was unbelievable. And there it is, right there, number one. Go back to that, please, brother. Yeah. Mm, number one song right there. And it stayed there for 12 days. Mm. That's the other part that, you know, even this article obviously came out when it happened mm -hmm. so like it doesn't tell you that staying number one for 12 days is its own insane accomplishment that yeah. those things are always rotating and jumping around and there it is a dollar 29 and boom and he gives you know percentages of his earnings to uh he has his own scholarship mm -hmm. where he gives money for kids to go to college who, if they had a parent die in the military, mm. he pays for their college. He's given over a million dollars to put kids through college. Oh. So you find out that some of these bad guys are the good guys and that the good guys, you look at Catholic priests and stuff, like, do good, do this. That's why I like virtue signaling and a lot of... And I keep ragging on L.A., but it's like, you know, a lot of these people that want to work in the industry say all these things, and they're always, this is wrong, and that's wrong, and why are we, blah, 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 you know, what about science, and all these different things, but it almost seems like the good guys sometimes are the bad guys, right? The politicians. Oh, yeah. The priests, all yeah, of these things. Yeah, I've always things. hated politicians, man. Right. <clears throat> and, but I think we start to see that that whole mold, all that, it's not... It's not really working. I think, you know, for a long time, people believed in it. There's something good here. Yeah. But I think after, especially after um, the pandemic, um, after people being scared in a lot of cities, mm -hmm. you know, and violence, I think people are starting to just wonder what's going on here. I think it's, yeah. it's deeper than just like in our daily life. It's like this bigger thing. Like, does the society that we constructed mm -hmm. and that we've been building and riding, what's going to happen to it? Like, which way is it going to go? Yeah. You know? Um, In perspective, right? Like the other night after a Kill Tony taping, I was telling my producer guy that, uh, I go, it's so crazy. I just had five different people come up to me and literally say the same thing of, I can't believe that you get to be mean to people for two hours every week on a show for a living. 
And I go, and I had another five totally different people on my way up to the green room say, I can't believe that you have created a format to help people. And you're, you're the only person giving these random people a shot to be seen. And it's funny how they're all at the same show and these people are seeing two different shows kind of. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think it's that way sort of for everything nowadays. Sometimes something can yeah. be right there and, and we choose what we like about it or what we don't like about it, right? Well, it's a bummer too. Sometimes I, it's like, I wish I could press a button more and get a a different perspectives. Like yeah. it's like, sometimes I'm like, man, I'm so, I'm not inhibited. But I, I am inhibited by my own perspective. Mm -hmm. Not that it's right or wrong, but sometimes it's both. But that it's like, man, I, <clears throat> I wonder what life is if you're, what has life seemed like if you're this person, if you're a woman, if you're a man, if you're black or, um, what is it, Japanese, mm -hmm. you know, it, or, you know, I'll just like wonder what it all seems like, you know, um, because then it's like, yeah, are my views off? Are they on? Is it okay if they're just right for me in my own space? You know, I think that's the part that starts to feel kind of scary sometimes. It's like, well, these are my views for my perception. Mm -hmm. um, is it okay to share them if I can't get everybody, if I can't, you know, how is it okay to share them if, even if I'm without taking into context what other people's views are? Like, it's just, it's hard. Right. It's hard sometimes. Yeah. You know? Um, because you try to, you want to be open-minded, you want, but you also want to respect what you intrinsically feel, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's <clears throat> another place, another area where the pandemic hit hard. Like people like me and you that went out and were like, we need to be around stuff that's open. We need to go out once in a while, listen to music or just be around people or just be somewhere that's open. You know, that's a character trait, you know what I mean? And I think that a lot of people that stayed in and stayed locked down and things like this um, created almost a little bit of uh, bitterness towards those that might speak a little bit more freely mm. because we know people better, because we're socializing more and out more. And we might have a Japanese friend or a black woman or this or a transgender or this or that or anything. So we so sort of can speak more freely because we feel like we know these people and this and that. And meanwhile, some, you know, person who's at home on the internet who never goes out can be like, you know, you shouldn't even be talking about <clears throat> this. Right, this is what we have to do because it also caters to that person's life. Yeah. But also guys like you and me, I think we never really liked the rules. Right. <clears throat> You've never liked the rules. Hell no. No. Uh-uh. Never. You've never liked the rules. And so anytime there's rules or some type of control that comes in, mm -hmm. I, I really don't like that. Right. It it hits in a place in me. I don't want to be, you know, I think it goes back to just my childhood. I didn't like where we were. I didn't like the whole position that I got put into in my life when I was young, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, I'll reject anything that tries to fucking make me be some type of way. Right. It's a blessing and a curse, I think, sometimes. Yeah. Um, but what uh so your dad passed away when you were a kid? I know you mentioned that earlier. No, he was uh he's alive. Um and was but he, what type of job did he have? He ran an Italian restaurant no. and did some uh some bookying, basically Youngstown, sort of like a little Italian mafia hub. So everybody there when I was a kid was 
involved in organized crime in some effect or another, including my mom, who was running numbers for the whole city. It was a big illegal gambling operation that she used just to put me through a the private school there and make sure that I had a new pair of Nikes once a year. You know what I mean? I was like poor. And did people you have the cards? Would, would you put the cards out to people and they would circle the games and that sort of thing? Would you yeah. Just- Yep. Well, it was mostly like betting, mostly like you call and it's like, all right, I'll put 20 on the Packers. And, and, but the thing that my mom was doing was also like writing down numbers. So you could play like the pick three lottery or the pick four lottery. And it was like straight or boxed, which means you're playing it straight up or the three numbers come out anyway. It was it's crazy that I used to like just see her on the phone like writing down numbers and like doing it all the time and collecting money from people that would come over and she would just grab a roll of cash from them and she would put me through private school with that just enough to survive you know people think that families from that are involved with organized crime are always rich and have a mansion like in the Sopranos and a big SUV but it's like it wasn't like that in Youngstown it's like the lower class mob um so my dad and my mom uh were married to other people when they had me and they already had kids so they was having an affair totally oh wow forever for 11 years they were were having an affair super affair I was a super bastard before it was cool like an extreme bastard wow because my dad didn't want my you know my mom didn't want me to have my dad's last name because obviously he had a family around the corner and the whole thing's a mess. But did her husband know that it wasn't his kid? Correct. They hadn't been having sex. It was just one of those, like, back then, you know, 1984, divorce was, like, frowned upon and this and that. But once she came, once she was, like, pregnant, they're like, all right, it's time for you to find another place to live. And Wow. So he was out, and I was in, and the rest is history. It's crazy. Wild times. But it's a lot of unacceptance. It feels like you probably felt like you didn't fairly fit in with any... Exactly. Luckily, my four older brothers and sisters on my mom's side were super open. Like, no, you're a Hinchcliffe. You're one of us. You're, you know, we got you. And that's another thing that changed my life is like I was raised with this council of much older brothers and sisters, 12 years, 14, 18 and 20 years older than me. Wow. Yeah. So I have a sister that's 58 right now. Yeah, Yeah. that's crazy. That's cool. And my youngest brother is 50. Yeah. 12 years older than me. So like I used to go down, they, my mom used to ship me to Columbus, Ohio for a month every, uh, every summer when I was out of school and I would just get to hang out with my brothers and sisters who were going to the Ohio State University. So there I was a little nine year old hanging out with a bunch of 20 something year olds and me trying to make them laugh when they were stoned. I didn't even know they were high. They would just all go to the bedroom for like 20 minutes and then come out like giggling And I would try to make them laugh and I would do goofy stuff. Yeah, you got to fit in. Magic tricks and all this lame stuff to just try to entertain them. And it was fun. They thought it was great and they thought I was funny. So like little things like that, it's where it all kind of started. But yeah, the dad not ex- the dad always trying to impress the dad thing was a big deal. I mean, it is with anybody. Yeah. Again, to reference the Sopranos, like... And to reference everything, you know, it all goes back to like crazy psychology from our very, we are a product of our childhood. So crazy, isn't it? Totally. And I mean, it's so interesting when you really let go and realize like, yeah, we're not that 
we're not that original. We are like a victim of like the story is written early on. We're just playing out the script that our psychology wrote, right? I never thought about it like that. Me neither. I've never said that before. I like that. It's like the psychology. That shit was written right in the first couple of years. Exactly. And now we we are just just following the... Yep. Because I found out at a very early age that my dad... My mom used to tell me that my dad was a truck driver. I think it was or something like that. I can't exactly remember that part. But it was some job where he was traveling a lot. And uh, one day on the school bus... We went to pick up my buddy Jeff Lewis over on Coronado, and um, I noticed a car that looked like my dad's across the street in the driveway. So it's only like three, four, five blocks from where I was raised. And I look over, and I memorize the license plate. Maybe I wrote it down. I don't know. And then the next time he came to visit, which was usually like once every couple weeks or so, or maybe once a month for you know half an hour, um, next time he came over, I matched up the license plate to this, you know, to this Bronco that I saw every day when we were picking up Jeff Lewis and, and I didn't even bring it up to him cause I never wanted to, I never wanted to like start any trouble. I always wanted him to think I was cool, mm. but I said to mom after he left that day, I go, so I noticed that his car is always in a driveway across the street from uh, Jeff Lewis's house on Coronado. And she like looked like she had seen a ghost because he's like, she's like, oh, my God, this 10 year old just figured out that his dad lives right around the corner. So then once I realized at such an early age that my dad was just a few blocks away every day the whole time. And she sat me down and told me everything. So all of a sudden I realized like my mom's kind of a liar and my dad is raising a whole different family. Fuck. Right. So all of a sudden there's this fire inside where it's like, I'm going to get him to like me one day. I'm going to get him to know that I'm the cool kid, right? Cut to two months ago, Pittsburgh, or no, maybe a few months ago, but Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the middle of an arena, PPG Paints Arena where the Penguins play, where you know a bunch of crazy stuff happens. Only 50 minutes away from Youngstown, Ohio, and him and his girlfriend came out and saw me. And you know he's like 75 now or whatever, and like he's wow. just he just couldn't believe it. He, I mean, there's not I don't yeah, it's just crazy, especially being from Youngstown. You just never think you're gonna see anybody in the middle of an arena that you know performing to a sold-out 360-degree crowd, floor-filled all the way to the upper deck, and, you know, doing good because we're working this whole time. You know what I mean? So it's like a lot of laughs, and he comes back to the – we gave him full access to the green room because there was, like, a a big fight that night. It was um, Anthony Joshua versus – what's his name? The best. Best big box. Fury? Yeah. And so, and Youngstown's a boxing town. So now he's backstage with me, Rogan, and we're watching boxing on a big screen TV with never ending, you know, you know what these fancy green rooms are like. There's gourmet pizza and anything you could possibly want. Coffee, right? Whatever you're in the mood for. Cooler filled with all your favorite soda pops. And like, you know, I realized I like did it kind of, you know what I mean? That's like, hell yeah. It was like the, it's a real sort of undeniable victory that I'm like, ooh, wow, I didn't even realize, like, this is cool because it's what it's what you want, right? Yeah. You want to impress these people that made you with their body parts. 
I know. It's so strange. Tricky because he came out of his wiener because he squirted inside of my mother's vagina. I his need to. I need to impress him. I'll and show him one day. That is even good. He didn't even have the biggest wiener. Probably yeah. basic wiener. Oh, totally. Nowhere, nowhere near our friend here. Yeah. Nowhere near. Yeah, it's funny, man. I don't know. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I think I wanted to be seen so much by my mother that it's like I started, I had to get everybody to see me. And it was like, hopefully one day my mother will see me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't even know if I'd have gone on that whole journey if I had just had this sort of uh attention or affection you know right it's pretty fascinating man um i think that that's a real through line in our industry is like i i would be interested to know who the funniest person is that had both parents there and caring about them and eating dinner at a table with like a nice placemat every day and like you know what I mean? A glass of ice for had the little things. You know yeah. what I mean? That like seems so normal that for some reason nobody on the comedy store lineup has ever had. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what are the odds? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's interesting, man. Meanwhile, if you sat at a table with engineers, they'd be like, What do you mean your parents weren't there? <laughs> I don't get it. What do you mean a placemat? Of course you had a placemat. Yeah, my like, father. No, was... I ate on a TV tray. I would make frozen pierogies, you know what I mean? And disgusting. Oh, yeah, you know especially what I mean? Ohio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, an engineer would be like, My mother was 35 degrees to my left. My father was at 70 degrees. And man, Tony I'm like, My father was four blocks away. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck. So close. That's that's almost that's almost kind of heartbreaking. It's you know? wild, but I wouldn't have changed a goddamn thing. Yeah, I live my dreams, and I'm happier than ever. And you know, it's just wild. It's in, it's insane. Yeah, get and that shows the, with goofballs like you sold yeah. out shows on the road. Get to go I to know. different cities and hit up people like John and you, and you know whoever's in that city. These relationships that I built from doing dirty, stupid jokes all over. It's, it's like, uh, yeah, it really, oh, it's really I mean, lucky. It's the, it's really the gift of not getting those things mm-hmm. and then getting them in little increments from other people, mm-hmm. you know, from people that care enough to support you, uh, to believe in you, to like you. Mm-hmm. It's like you slowly get little bitty drops of all of that that you needed long ago. You get it from people. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Cause I always thought for so long, man, how do I change this past? It's just so impossible. Right. So all I can really do is just move forward. Uh, with yep. what I have and be grateful for it. Yep. Um, Tony Hitchcliffe, man. Hell yeah. Dude, thanks so much, bro. Thank you. This was so much fun. Yeah, because, I, I, you know, we've known each other for a long time, but I have never really gotten to really just sit and kind of learn about you. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate it, man. Heck yeah. You know, and I'm pleasure. proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. Likewise. An honor to be on your show. You're hilarious. I'm excited to do more shows here tonight. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. Kill Tony. If you guys haven't seen this, you really need to go and see it live. People love it online. It has a huge following on YouTube. It's out every Tuesday. Every Monday at 8. Every yep. Monday at 8. Central Standard Time. Um, yeah. But it's always there on YouTube. We've had some of our biggest shows lately. We're like hitting a stride. It's crazy to think that like this thing that I work on forever is better than ever. But Well, it's so pure. That's the thing about it. Yeah. It's like fuck, no wonder this isn't on television. No one, because they can't do that. There's too much, 
there's too many cooks in the kitchen. There's too many knives and spoons in the bowl. Yep. This is just a fucking dirty, real porridge, dude. Yep. But you guys pull it off really well, and there's enough like uh, other production value that's there. Even when you're there in person, it's like there's moving cameras and there's things going on, and it just, man, it is. Uh, it blew my mind when I went back. When I went back and did it, thank you. Um, it's a mat. It really is. It's as unique as something could be, man. Well, we can't wait to have you back on. I'd love to come back, man. Tony Hinchcliffe, thanks, bro. Thank you, Theo. Now I'm just floating on the breeze And I feel I'm falling like these leaves I must be cornerstone Oh, but when I reach that ground I'll share this peace of mind I found I can feel it in my bones Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jonathan Kite, and welcome to Kite Club, a podcast where I'll be sharing thoughts on things like current events, stand-up stories, and seven ways to pleasure your partner. The answer may shock you. Sometimes I'll interview my friends. Sometimes I won't. And as always, I'll be joined by the voices in my head. You have three new voice messages. A lot of people are talking about Kite Club. I've been talking about Kite Club for so long, longer than anybody else. So great. Hi, sweetheart. Here's a deal. Anyone who doesn't listen to Kite Club is a dodgy bloody wanker. Jermaine. Hi, I'll take a quarter pounder with cheese and a McFlurry. Sorry, sir, but our ice cream machine is broken. I think Tom Hanks just butt-dialed me. Anyway, first rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Second rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Third rule, like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or watch us on YouTube, yeah? And yes, don't worry, my Brad Pitt impression will get better.